MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, June 10th, 2021. Today, the Trump administration spent months in a secret court battle to obtain a CNN reporter's records. The Biden administration is set to purchase and donate 500 million vaccine doses to the world. ProPublica's blockbuster reporting on secret IRS files, and no one knows where they got them, including ProPublica. And Louis Gohmert is so dumb. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Not much else I can say about Louis Gohmert. Nope, that should be the intro to every show. I'm Allison Gill, and I'm Dana Goldberg, and Louis Gohmert is so dumb. <laughs> Just started <laughs> putting that in the sign-off. <laughs> take care of each other, take care of yourselves, take care of the plan, take care of your mental health. Louis Gohmert is dumb. So dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back, Dana. It's good to see you I again. missed you all tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> We were just talking about how I am a complete mess right now. <laughs> we just watched this America's Got Talent video of this beautiful girl oh. who sang this beautiful song and made Simon cry. And we're just like, oh, so oh, <laughs> anyway, couple, I couple you. that with what we had to watch Louis Gohmert say. And it's just been an up and down day. Oh, thank you for covering me. I missed you all yesterday. It is a pleasure to be back today. <laughs> yes, and today I'll be chatting with Santiago Mayer, an uh, incredible 19-year-old activist, uh, immigrant, amazing what he's done to get out the vote and what he's going to be doing to get out the vote in the coming elections. And also I want to say thank you to all our new patrons. We've got a ton of them. Thank you. And uh, we just got the McGann transcript that just dropped. So that's not going to be in the show. I'm going to be doing a deep dive on this Sunday's Mueller She Wrote podcast. It seemed appropriate for the McGahn testimony to be covered in the Mueller She Wrote podcast. And we just got an inspector general report on, you know, whether or not the cops actually tear gassed peaceful protesters for a photo op, the church photo op at Lafayette Square last summer. And I'm going to be going over that tomorrow because we just got that report. I want to read the report in full. I can tell you briefly, the report is wrong and dumb, but we'll, we'll get more into that in detail when when that comes up. Uh, we do have a lot of news to get to today. So let's do that. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. The lead story today is that the Trump administration battled with CNN for half a year to obtain the email records of a reporter it was Barbara Starr, I think, and insisted it all take place under an extraordinary order of secrecy. This is according to CNN's lead attorney who just revealed this today. And there's a reason he revealed it. He was under a gag order, uh, but then the, the court filing was made public so he could the gag order was lifted. The pursuit, which started in July of 2020 under then Attorney General Barr, with a demand for two months of CNN Pentagon correspondent Barbara Starr's 2017 email logs, that pursuit continued even after a federal judge told the Justice Department its argument for access to Starr's internal emails was speculative and unanchored in any facts. The Trump administration's secret pursuit represents a highly unusual and unrelenting and scary push for journalists' records. It included putting CNN general counsel David Vigilante under a gag order prohibiting him from sharing any details about the government's efforts with anyone beyond the network's president, top attorneys at CNN corporate parent, and attorneys at an outside law firm. 
David Vigilante is a great name for your attorney if you're going to have one. Had Vigilante violated that order, he would have risked being held in contempt of court or could have faced felony prosecution for obstruction of justice. This spring, Justice Department notified reporters at CNN, The Washington Post and The New York Times that records had been seized in different investigations. This is something I think this Department of Justice has done right. This was the first public acknowledgement of the Trump administration's attempt to obtain journalists' communications without their knowledge, by the way. It's still unclear which investigation the records demand was connected to. So they don't know what reporting Barbara Starr was doing in 2017 that they wanted all these records for. Prosecutors were seeking email records from the time period, though, when Starr was reporting on U.S. military options in North Korea that were ready to be presented to Trump, as well as stories on Syria and Afghanistan. My guess, it was that first initial uh, wanting to pull out of Syria that raised Bolton's hackles even. Everybody was pretty pissed about that. And, and you know, eventually we did pull out of Syria and abandon our Kurdish allies. Um, but everybody was not cool with that. I think it probably has something to do with that. CNN first went into court in September 2020 to, to squash or narrow the order for of them looking for emails. During a closed door hearing via video conference on October 7th, a month later, Federal Magistrate Judge Teresa Buchanan in Virginia told the Justice Department to narrow its request. Yet prosecutors returned two days later sharing an affidavit that CNN could not see that included classified information and convinced Buchanan to allow the order to move forward. Hmm. By November, CNN moved to appeal another month later. At an appeal hearing in December, another month later, a new judge, Judge Anthony Trenga of the Eastern District of Virginia, who we know we've talked about, sided with CNN. In response to the DOJ's argument for the internal emails, the judge said the requested information by its nature is too attenuated and not sufficiently connected to any evidence relevant, material or useful to the government's ascribed investigation, particularly when considered in light of the First Amendment activities it relates to. And that's according to Vigilante, who no longer has the gag order. Vigilante said this was the first characterization of the evidence we'd ever seen. And it was stunning. So this is, you know, we knew that they were going after journalists. Yeah. But these six month long secret uh, classified trying to obtain emails from reporters from The Post, The Times, CNN is beyond the pale. It is and dangerous. I mean, it's a dangerous precedent to set for sure. Good things happening with this administration, though, as we shift back into the, the coronavirus. Uh, the Biden administration's buying 500 million doses, Allison, of Pfizer coronavirus vaccine to donate to the world as the United States dramatically increases its efforts to help vaccinate the global population. That's according to three people familiar with the plans. So Biden's slated to announce the plan at the Group of Seven meeting in Britain this week amid growing calls for the United States and other rich countries to play a more substantial role in boosting the global supply of coronavirus vaccine. Biden told reporters Wednesday as he boarded Air Force One to Europe that he would be announcing his global vaccine strategy. So the White House declined to comment and Pfizer did not immediately respond to a request for comment either. Mm. But... This is a big deal. And I think we've all known this, and especially those listeners here. This is a global pandemic. This is not over until the world is vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's uh, of note that previously he was promising 60 or 80 million vaccines. And those were doses of, I think, AstraZeneca or Johnson and Johnson. But we couldn't get the approvals that we needed fast enough. So he's he's donating 500 million doses of Pfizer, of Pfizer. And that's just absolutely incredible. We're at, I think, about 43 percent vaccinated here in the United States. He still has a goal by July 4th to get at least one shot for 70 percent of Americans. We, we may fall short of that goal. I think we need about 600,000 a day to meet that goal. And I think we're only vaccinating 300,000 a day. 
But we have a lot of leftover stuff. And that, you know, is part of that 60 to 80 million promise. And now he's buying an addition. He's just buying 500 million to give to the world. And I think that's great. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're leading. I'm glad we are leading. Mm, Yeah, because we were just talking about this yesterday. I mean, tomorrow when you were gone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Manny and I were talking about this yesterday. Like, we got to get more out. We got to get more out. Yeah. Uh, And from The Washington Post, ProPublica. ProPublica does not know whom to thank for providing the raw material for what the organization's president, Richard Tofel called the most important story we've ever published. On Tuesday morning, as you know, the nonprofit investigative news operation published The Secret IRS Files, the first in a series of investigative stories based on federal tax documents from thousands of rich people covering more than 15 years. It lays out how wealthy Americans, quote, exploit the structure of our tax code to avoid the tax burdens borne by ordinary citizens, with many not paying taxes at all for certain years. And, you know, of course, uh, largely that none of this is illegal. It just shows the faults in our tax code. In a companion piece, TOEFL and and top editor Stephen Engelberg made a stunning revelation. ProPublica does not know who sent the documents or why they were sent. Quote, the source says they were motivated by our previous coverage of issues surrounding the IRS and tax enforcement. But we do not know for certain that is true. They acknowledge the possibility that documents could have come from a state actor hostile to American interests. But, quote, provenance is not essential. Accuracy is. In an interview, Engelberg said that ProPublica was further convinced of the veracity of the documents, the accuracy, after cross-checking the data with some of the individuals to whom the tax returns belonged. It was certainly relevant, quote, that in each of these cases that we were contacting people, we were getting the same numbers they had. So it became pretty clear that we had an accurate set of things. Amazon founder and chief executive Jeff Bezos, who also owns The Washington Post, was among the wealthy Americans covered in the story. Tofel and Engelberg said they wrestled with the ethics of publishing private tax documents, but decided that it was in the public interest to do so. The only recent precedent is a series of New York Times stories, as we know, that were based on the tax documents involving a former guy. Metro reporter Suzanne Craig recalled in a first-person article that she received a copy of Trump's 1995 tax records in her mailbox at the Times building in New York. And the Times was able to confirm the authenticity through the accountant who had prepared them. <laughs> now, quote, nowadays, when people are worried that anything sent by email will leave forensic fingerprints, snail mail is a great way to communicate with us anonymously. So she, that's a little hint there. Send it to us in the mail. Later, the Times obtained a much larger trove of Trump's tax information. So that's Which is a an interesting thing. story. Yes. Yeah. And if you haven't read the a secret IRS files from ProPublica, I, I highly recommend given that a gander. Wow. The, uh, just to, to, to note that just how few taxes the wealthy here pay and how the burden is shifted onto the backs of working Americans is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it's believable. It's it's it's, it's makes me mad. Fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely believable. And in, in what is becoming more and more hard to believe, but still really believable in today, in today's version of Louis Gohmert, is dumb. Like, so dumb. So, so dumb, everyone. Please listen to the clip. And I understand from what's been testified to the Forest Service and the BLM, you want very much to uh, work on the issue of climate change. I was uh, uh, informed by the immediate past director of NASA that they have found that the moon's orbit is changing slightly, and so is the Earth's orbit around the sun. Uh, we know there's been uh, significant solar flare activity. Um, and so is there anything that the National Forest Service or BLM can do to uh, change the course of the moon's orbit 
or the Earth's orbit around the sun, obviously that would have profound effects on our climate. I would have to follow up with you on that one, Mr. Gomert. I mean, the woman at the <laughs> interviewer, um, I'll get a bat. Okay. A bat. What the fuck just happened? Like, I feel like I wish there were thought bubbles above these interviewers head. Like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. The lady, she's like, I hadn't thought of that one. No, because no one, Gomer, no one else has on the planet. I saw people on Twitter defending him saying, oh, this is satire because he knows that nothing can shift and global won't, you know, that nothing can shift the moon and the blah, blah, blah. So if you can find something, mm. let me know. And I'm like, do not act like Louis Gomert knows what satire is, first of all. And the second <laughs> of all, he's smart enough to use it. Get the hell out of here with that. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to uh, clarify when he's talking about BLM in this clip, he's talking about the Bureau of Land Management. Yes. I just wanted to clarify that there. So he thinks that the Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management can just, you know, I don't know fire a giant slingshot at the moon, knock it a little bit out of its orbit and fix climate change. Uh, wow. This is almost like, did you see the doctor in Ohio who testified that she's oh. magnetized because of the vaccine? Look at, look at this key. Look at the way it sticks to my chest. I'm like, lady, take a shower or stop using so much lotion. That's why that's stuck to your chest. I, I popped a little. V- oh, you did? You got a video up? Oh, yeah. I, t- I Well, you know, I'm a comedian. So I, you know, put a key on my forehead and, you know, that nose thing you do with the spoon. And I was like, I'm fully vaxxed. And holy shit. And it, wouldn't you know, four people are like, um, that's a brass key, Dana. Those aren't magnetic. And I'm like, the spoon's not sticking in my nose from a magnet either. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, Dana, don't spread this. It, um, you know, I know unless you label the satire, people are going to s- think you're spreading disinformation. I'm like, since when do no. comedians have to label their jokes? My God. No, do not. Don't worry. Satire. I actually woke up uh, to find several photos and videos. George Hahn has a great <laughs> one. Just it's just George Hans is funny. Just, it, it, and it's mostly amazing just because his face, just the expression yeah. on his face and the key on his forehead is like fully back. He's so funny. And I'm just going through. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Why has everyone got keys and shit stuck to their face? And uh, then I then I quickly found out what that was from. But yeah, wow. A group of doctors wrote to the medical board to say you need to review her license. Right. That's why. Oh, my God. Yeah. An anti-vaxxer. And not just an anti-vaxxer, a, a, mag- oh, oh, a magneto. conspiracy theorist. A magneto-vaxxer. Yeah, conspiracy theorist. My favorite part in the video is the woman in the blue shirt next to her that's yes. like, you've got to be fucking kidding. Like, that's another thought bubble I wish I could see. It is beautiful, the woman's response. She's just as good as the green, what is that, the pink shirt guy that wouldn't yeah, stop laughing or the, the green, green shirt, shirt guy? guy. Oh. Yeah, I can't remember who tweeted it, but they were like, uh, just for your energy, it might have been Kathy Griffin, for your entertainment, just watch this woman's face for the duration yeah. of this. Uh, and wow. Yeah. And, you know, it looked much like the face of the woman from the Bureau of Land Management after Louis Gohmert suggested we alter the moon's orbit to save the globe. Oh, God. These are elected people. These are... I'm, I can't even think of an equivalent Back in there isn't one. the 60s, 50s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I just can't. I mean, Palin said some stupid things, but that's because I think she was... We can, I, she's not a conspiracy theorist. She's just not a very bright woman. She was uninformed. She mm-hmm. didn't, you know, she wasn't... She wasn't... Yeah, that, that was the thing with her. I just don't remember it ever being like this, that they actually believe this shit. I feel like it all started when Dude brought the snowball into... Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I can't. I can't pinpoint. How can it, it be global warming if there's a snowball yeah. burn in the wind? Oh God! Mm, or how can the ocean levels be rising when the ice melts in my glass? It doesn't. Go- okay. All right. It's just painful. That's what that that old quote. Stupidity is the same as like being dead. Isn't that something like that? Being dead and stupidity are the same thing. It only hurts the people around you because <laughs> you don't realize you're dead and you don't realize you're stupid. I know that's not what the quote is. Someone is going to email in the exact quote, but that's the idea of it. Like stupidity is the same as that. Like it only affects the people around you. Excellent. Yeah. And if you have any corrections or confessions or anything, we're going to get to the good news here in a little bit. You can send them into us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. But right now we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to talk to Santiago mayor who is just an incredible incredible person i can't wait for you to to hear what he has to say about inspiring and encouraging young people to vote stay with us we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right back hey everybody it's allison for the daily beans and i've got a great recommendation for simple straightforward self-care it's called caliper cbd taking care of yourself shouldn't upset your routine and add more stress to your life and that's why i love caliper cbd i've noticed marked improvement in my stress and my overall sense of calm and lessening of pain after workouts. And with Caliper CBD, I'm able to fall asleep easier. And the best part, I can get all the benefits without drastically changing my routine. Caliper is convenient because they've created an easy-to-use and more effective CBD powder, which is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. Rather than taking oils or tinctures you have to hold under your tongue with weird tastes that don't mix easily in food or anything, Caliper is a dissolvable powder that delivers 30 times more CBD. So you can get all the benefits of CBD in just 10 minutes. And while some oils can take over an hour, it's so much better. Caliper CBD was developed by food and science experts, rigorously tested for purity and quality, and there's no weird taste, no oily residue. I love how easy it was for me to integrate the CBD powder into my routine. I put it in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake. It's helped me calm down and relax, even when stress is really overwhelming. But Caliper is always THC-free, so I feel better without the disorienting high. I've had such a positive impact with Caliper CBD, my friends have noticed. And the great thing about Caliper CBD is it comes in convenient, easy-to-use packets, precisely 20 milligrams in each packet, so you know exactly how much you're getting. And it's all natural, vegan, non-GMO, no fillers, no chemicals, no artificial flavors. So get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at tricaliber.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days, because if you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. No risk. That's tricaliber.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget, promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am honored to be joined today by somebody I've been uh, standing beside and working beside online and on social media in the 2020 elections and and glad to have him here. He's the executive director of Voters of Tomorrow. Please welcome Santiago Mayer. Santiago, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you today because we've had several people come on the show to talk about sort of the things that we did in 2020 to get out the vote and how we're going to do this again in 2022 and how important it is. And your focus with Voters of Tomorrow is young voters, you're one yourself. Tell us about yourself, how old you are, where you're from. Yeah, so I'm 19 years old. I moved here from Mexico City in 2017. I'm actually not a young voter myself. I'm not a citizen, so I'm not eligible to vote in the United States. I did just vote in Mexico's midterm election, so that was really exciting. But yeah, it is really exciting. What we do at Versa Tomorrow is mostly finding different ways to meet young voters where they are getting them engaged, educated about the issues, and actually represented in government. There's 
lobbies representing pharma, there's lobbies representing oil. We, of course, fight a lot with the gun lobby, but there's really no one representing young voters. And that is a really big demographic that deserves to have their voices heard. It deserves to have a seat at the table because one day it's going to be ours. Mm -hmm. So we really need to have that representation. That's what Voters with Morrow does. And it's something I'm really passionate about. So you moved here and you're not eligible to vote, but you volunteered for the Biden-Harris campaign to help mobilize young voters. That's amazing. Yes. I When I moved here, I realized that most of my peers weren't engaged. Most of them didn't even know what was going on. And those who did, who just didn't pay attention, weren't particularly engaged. So as the election took on, I really thought that my experience with everything I had done before would be really beneficial for the campaign. And I was a volunteer for them working to engage young voters. I work with their students for Biden program. And I also did prominent polls later in the cycle, aside from everything we're doing at Voters of Tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that this is so important because a lot of young voters feel disillusioned and disenfranchised. They're not represented, you know, because most of the people in politics are uh, of older generations. We're more centrist. You know, we're we're more focused on uh, we're kind of policy wonks. And, and it's so important to get young people excited about voting. And the way that you are doing this is by engaging them and representing them about government and politics in, you know, to make them civically minded voters, to, to make them citizens of the democracy through education programs. So tell us a little bit about Students for Biden and how you were sort of getting in the door that way. Yeah. So with Students for Biden, the main, the key part of the program was finding students in college campuses who would be willing to be advocates for the Biden campaign and who would be willing to do campaign events, host phone banking sessions, host voter registration drives. And that was really successful. I was just a volunteer there, so I didn't have much executive power to put it lightly. But the team who was leading the program was amazing. I've gotten to work with some of the people in the leadership council, and they are all amazing as well. So that's one part. The education component, I think, is one of the most important aspects in any voter mobilization effort. And that's because... There's oh, it's kind of a cycle if you want to get someone to vote. They need to know who they're voting for and what the person stands for. They need to feel represented and they need to get that. They need that incitement, that urge to go vote. And the reason I think a lot of young voters don't participate is precisely because of that cycle. They don't feel represented because the people in power don't feel the need to represent them because they don't vote. And it just keeps going round and round again. Until they vote, they won't be represented. Until they're represented, they don't vote. And that's where Voters of Tomorrow comes in. And we really want to just break the cycle, tell representatives, hey, we're here. This is what we're doing. We're going to take over really soon. And if you don't represent us, you're going to get voted out because we're voting and we're here. Yeah. And there's kind of this gap, right, between what we perceive that we can get done right now but also the way that our constitution is built, the way the government works, it takes it's these incremental baby steps. It ha- you have to have this really long game vision. And that is just not an attractive scenario to so many young voters. They're like, well, you know, and so I'm wondering if you not only engage them nationally, but engage them locally as well, because that's where things can get done quicker, right? Yeah, we have a we have what we call student chapters. So those are chapters in college campuses and in local communities. Those students work in their local politics. They engage their communities to find out what's going on, to talk to their local politicians, to figure out who their state representatives are. 
I know a bunch of people think that they know who their senator or representative is, and many of them don't. But it's even harder at the local level. I mean, I have a hard time often remembering who my assembly person is. And I'm, I like work in here and I like know them and I've like talked to them. So just finding that balance is really hard when you're trying to go, am I more in the national level? Am I working at the local level? Is this something that could be better taken care of at the state legislature instead of Congress? Finding that balance and figuring out who to direct those requests to is super important. And our chapters play a critical role in helping students in their communities figure out who to send that to. Yeah. And and this is uh, can be a problem, I think, across generations. People, we take in so much uh, data every day. We expect things to be done quickly. That's not how our government is set up at this current time. And I was wondering how you kind of assuage young people's impatience and concern. And not just young people. Like I said, this happens across generations. But I know, you know, young people are oftentimes the complaint is this is just, you know, what I'm going to bust my ass now. So maybe 25 years down the road, we can get equal pay. Like it's so frustrating. And I was wondering how you kind of assuage that frustration with young voters. Are, Are you talking about making big, dramatic, systemic changes to speed things up? Or are you telling people, hey, it takes a minute. Uh, be cool. I would say it's a bit of both. I mean, the one key part of our education program is going to young people and telling them, hey, I know this is what you want. I want it too. But the government is set up in a way that makes it take a bit. So we have videos on the filibuster, why we can't get stuff until the filibuster is gone. We currently have a petition on abolishing the filibuster and we're working across our network to get the filibuster abolished. There's really no way at this point, at this point, there's just no way to get 60 votes and anything, really. So if we want to get stuff done, we have to get rid of that supermajority threshold. And telling young voters, this is why stuff is taking so long. If you elect more people who actually represent you, we can get stuff done quicker. We can reform the system. So that's one part. The other part is just talking to our politicians. Like I said, we have a petition, but we also really go and talk to our representatives. And we are like, we need to do this because if we don't, I'm going to use an example. Climate change, if we don't fix climate change, none of what we do right now will matter in 50 years. Right. My generation did not particularly want to pick up the fight of climate change. It's like, I'm 19 years old. I should not really be doing any of this political work. But at this point, when climate change is the consequences of climate change are starting to take effect. And when it's going to be absolute catastrophe in 50 years, there's really no other option. We had to pick up the fight because no one else would. And telling that to a representative or a senator or a state assembly person is really powerful because it makes them feel the stakes that their young constituents are facing. When a when any elected official knows that they're constituents are really worried. They're really concerned about something that's happening. It's like that small emotional effect in their brains that might really push them to take action. So we really try to emphasize that. Yeah, that's it's you're right. That's so important. And I want to talk to you a little bit about overcoming fatigue, like activist fatigue. And also, I want to talk to you about prom at the polls, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, Beans listeners, it's AG. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Upstart. When it comes to paying off debt, it can feel like an uphill battle. Making that minimum payment doesn't make a dent when your interest rates are high. 
That's where Upstart comes in. They can help you get ahead. Join the thousands of happy borrowers who made that final payment. Because with Upstart, you can get the financial weight lifted off your shoulders because you can feel free of the relief of being debt-free. Join the thousands of happy borrowers who have made that final payment. Lift that weight off your shoulders. Upstart is the fast, easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether you're paying off high-interest credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get simple, fixed monthly payments. Unlike other lenders, Upstart knows you're more than just a number. They don't just look at your credit score. They look at your income and your job history and stuff like that. And that means they can offer you a smarter rate with their trusted partners. Just a five-minute online rate check. You can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. And you can receive funds as fast as one business day after your loan is accepted. After this past year, I know a lot of people were relying on credit cards to get by. So I highly recommend that everyone check out Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Just go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking to the 19-year-old, highly impressive, executive director of Voters of Tomorrow, Santiago Mayer. And before the break, we were discussing a little bit about how to engage uh, young voters, especially that's the, the block of voters that you're working with, who historically tend to sit out elections. And and that's not just this generation. It's every single generation when they were young did this. This isn't new, right? And I wanted to ask you a little bit about fatigue because the, I'm, I keep hearing this refrain like, oh, fuck, man, we worked so hard in 2020, busted my ass, postcard, text banking, just, you know, grassroots, et cetera. And we got it. We got it done. And now we still have to keep doing it. It never ends. Oh, you know, and and what I, how do you sort of instill the idea that democracy is a full on participation sport that doesn't end? There's no touchdown. There's no field goal, right? There's no, you know, it's not like somebody's going to be like, oh, we did it. We have to keep doing it. And, and that can be tough uh, to, to, to keep that kind of engagement and excitement up, especially in a midterm. How do you, how do you overcome that? It's, it's really hard. Like I'm not, I'm not going to go around it. It's really fucking hard especially as college students. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing two majors. I am, I'm currently trying to get an internship. So it, it gets really hard. And before the election, I kept joking that I would have a mental breakdown on November 4th. After the election, we realized we wouldn't have a winner until November 7th. So I kept pushing down my mental breakdown. It's been like six months. I still haven't had one. But it is just really difficult because you need to battle. Everyone needs to prioritize their health. And I. this is something I tell to my team. This is something I tell to other activists. Your health has to always come first because this is a mentally, it's really mentally exhausting and it's emotionally draining. You you fight, you give it everything you get, you have, and then you sometimes still lose. And you can take that lo- that loss really personally. So figuring out that giving yourself some mental health space, taking a day off, just signing off social media for a couple hours is really beneficial. But to actually answer your question, what we really try and do is show people the consequences of not being engaged and tell them what happens when people just go to sleep, when people just tune out. And I mean, we saw it happen in 2016. We kind of saw it happen in January 6th. People just, for whatever reason, they feel safe. They stop paying attention. And something happens that makes them wake up and tells them, screams at them, you have to come back. 
I think January 6th was that for a lot of people. Everyone was really relie relieving the victory of November. We had just won in Georgia. It felt so good. Everyone was happy. And then all of a sudden, we had a mob it, of insurrectionists really just rush the Capitol. And that just woke a lot of people up. I mean, it woke me up. I, I was really trying to rest and get some space after working nonstop for a few months. And that really woke me up. And that told me, hey, you, you can't tune out. You have to come back. You have to keep doing this. So just showing that those consequences to people really it's really effective at having them participate, participate and stay participating. Yeah, it's hard. It's kind of like trying to explain that we have to be proactive and not reactive to the political climate because then we fall behind, right? We're, we were in this political debt at that point. We have to climb our way out of that hole. And you're right. That's exactly how we ended up with the former guy as the president. Everybody was like, oh, the country will take care of itself. Democracies run themselves. You don't need me. And uh, I'm going to live my life here, do my Instagram thing. And <laughs> then, bam, all of a sudden you're like, wait, what? What the fuck? He won Ohio? Wait, Pennsylvania? Florida? What? And then all of a sudden everybody's like, fuck. And we just uh, and, you know, we're sitting around like, oh, Jesus. And now we really have to we, you know, kind of it's like healthcare, like you said, taking care of your health. It goes so much more smoothly when you have preventive health care instead of only going to the doctor when you're sick, for example. It's the same with democracy. Yeah. And listen, that's kind of what led me to start Voters of Tomorrow. I was, I, like I said, I moved to the U.S. in 2017. It was in the midst of the Muslim ban. And I had done MUN before. I was really tuned into international relationships. I was really excited about politics. I was not as particularly tuned in as I am today, but I, I, I paid attention. And I kept trying to talk about this with people in my class. And I was like, hey, can you believe this is happening? And those who knew it was happening just didn't care. They didn't think they could do anything. But most of people in my class just didn't know about it. They didn't know there was a Muslim ban. They didn't know what it entailed. They didn't know who it was affecting. So I, that's kind of what got me started in organizing. And I went to Twitter and started ranting and that really paid off. And in 2019, I started voting. So tomorrow to fix that because it's really untenable. when You have an entire generation of voters who so just not paying attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we have to do that preventive care. The health of democracy is just like our own health. And it needs that kind of attention as well. So tell me a little bit about Prom at the Polls. That's something that you did in, in 2020 and amazing. I loved it. Yeah. So with some other young activists, we decided to figure out what to do and get the class of 2020 engaged. We, I was part of the class of 2020. I know Sophia and Jerome, who are in our team, were also part of the class of 2020. And we lost out on Prom. We, the pandemic hit or we finished our high schools online and we were now working on an election. And I know that losing out on prom was something that really frustrated a lot of people, particularly people I know, really most of the class of 2020. And everyone was super excited. I know a bunch of my friends had already purchased clothes. Girls had were testing out, trying out dresses. Everyone was super excited for prom and then it never happened. And we really didn't want that energy and that excitement to go to waste. And we ever really wanted everyone to vote. So we got put in a sort of think tank by Alyssa Milano. She basically asked us to come up with ideas and we all together came up with Promise Pulse, just 
grab that energy you were taking to prom, now take it to the polls, wear that dress, wear that outfit, and just take pictures, do fun stuff, do have a prom proposal and ask someone to go to prom at the polls with you and go vote. And it turned out really well. We, I mean, we got Chris Evans and Yvette Nicole Brown from pulsing to each other. We had the entire cast of Grace Anatomy participate and do like funny videos for Promo the Falls. So it's it's one of the most fun things that I've done probably over the last few months. And Voters of Tomorrow presented the event. So now most of the people who worked on it are working with Voters of Tomorrow and we're carrying out a bunch of fun fun initiatives for 2022. So you'll just have to stay tuned and and see what we do. I was going to ask what you got planned for 2022. So since it's kind of all in the works and secret and you want to surprise us all, why don't you tell everyone, first of all, where they can hear your podcast and then where they can follow you on Twitter so that they can get that information about the stuff that you're organizing for 2022. Yeah. So the Voters of Tomorrow podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. It's it goes by two names, either Voters of Tomorrow podcast or Vodcast, just because that's a shorter and cuter name. We have a lot of fun guests. So we talked with Eliza Orleans and Malcolm Kenyatta recently. You can find that again anywhere you get your podcast. And then to stay tuned in with Voters of Tomorrow, you can find us on social media as Voters Tomorrow or go to our website, votersoftomorrow.org. That's so great. We proudly here endorse Eliza Orleans for Manhattan District Attorney. Yes. I'm going to let you know. Vote Eliza Orleans for Manhattan <laughs> District Attorney. 100%. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see some indictments before then and she'll just have to take it to trial. But she's the person to do it. Uh, her dedication to dismantling the two systems of justice uh, is she's amazing so so important and heartfelt and she's just an incredible human being she was voters of tomorrow's first political endorsement so she she earned that she was the fir- she was the first person who really made us feel like we needed to back someone and she, she's amazing so if you can vote in manhattan go vote for eliza orleans 100 percent. all right thank you so much I appreciate your time today and i'm i'm so impressed with everything that you're doing i hope you continue to do it and we're going to have you back on between now and 2022, I'm sure, to discuss some of the new things that you're coming up with to get voters out in the midterms. It's again, it's, you know, everyone, it's like, it's, this is such an important election. And everyone's like, you said that last time. And it's like, because it always is. (laughs) So I appreciate your time today. Santiago Mayor, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, Leguminati, it's Allison. And this segment of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional convenient counseling online. Life can be unpredictable. It can throw you curveballs. It can make you stressful and and cause anxiety. But the great thing is you don't have to face it alone. If you're dealing with anything preventing you from living a happy, fulfilling life, I really recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to navigate life's challenges. Um, This isn't a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's licensed professional therapy done securely online. They assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and they make it free and easy to change your therapist if you want to, because that is such an important match, you and your therapist. And once they match you, you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. You know, I've had challenges with anxiety and post-traumatic stress, and I know it's hard to ask for help. But you can do it. Uh, I did it. And, and you don't have to do this alone. And BetterHelp's services are convenient. It's available to clients worldwide. You can log in from anywhere, anytime, and you can send a message to your counselor and you get timely and thoughtful responses. And you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Uh, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Financial aid is available as well. You can check out their website and read some testimonials. This one is from BetterHelp user JU who says, Donna is authentic, well-informed, easy to talk to, and gives practical steps to take. I've grown incredibly in the time I've been working with her and definitely recommend. 
So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Allform. They make beautiful, customizable couches and love seats and chairs and, and living room furniture delivered directly to your door and to your exact specifications. It's beautiful, high-quality furniture that fits your own personal style. They're designed to your specifications and delivered directly to you. The shipping is free. You get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You get to pick your fabric with all form, and that fabric is spill stain and scratch resistant. It's so durable and it's so good for pod pets. You can pick the color of that fabric, the finish of the legs, the configuration, the size and the shape to make sure it's perfect for you. I picked out a three-seater sofa and I made it out of whiskey colored leather with a walnut leg finish and a chaise lounge. Came in a couple of days. I put it together myself with no tools needed and I love it. It's roomy and modern and super comfy and, uh, you know, spill stain and scratch resistant. And it's designed to my specifications. And here's the thing. If you order a couch from a custom store, it can take weeks or months to arrive and someone has to assemble it for you. But Allform takes just three to seven days to come in the mail and you can put it together yourself. And Allform has beautiful armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals. So there's something for everyone and you can start small and add on later if you want to, if you move into a bigger house or your family grows. It's amazing. And best of all, you get 100 days to, to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. And they have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners. That's huge. At allform.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll blow it on good news. It's all the way. Ah, Dana, welcome back to the good news. I know you missed it tomorrow, <laughs> yesterday. I I did. I missed it next week. Mm. I, I mean, who knows what's going to... And the funny thing is I will miss it tomorrow because today's my... <laughs> today's right? Friday. Today's my Friday, which is Thursday. It's very confusing, people. This is why I have a hard time keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will be joined tomorrow by Amy Carrero. So if you have anything you want to send in, uh, if you have a dispute, it can be a dispute with your cat, a dispute with yourself. Uh, you can send that in. Or if you want to file an amicus brief on a previous case, whatever, whatever you want to do, you can send it to Amy's court. Do it again. Dailybeanspod.com. And click on contact. I'm going to kick us off with a submission from Ozzy Ben, pronouns he and him. Good day, wonderful ladies, longtime listener, supporter as much as I can, and general social gadfly from down under here. I'm 100% positive I speak on behalf of all your listeners when I say thank you so incredibly much for what you do. You, your calm and fiendish detail into every righteous topic brings a welcome sense of inclusion and knowledge delivered with all the fucking swearing and levity we love so dearly. Good job there. Thank you. Thank you, Ozzy. Ozzy Ben. Now, for the correction. Oh, it's a correction. And it's a big one, as you've been raking the ears of an entire continent for some time now when describing an Australian sheepdog or blue or red healer or really anything antipodian. It's pronounced Aussie, not Aussie. Oh, sorry. I've kept my silence as long as I could, waiting for someone to say something, but I feel the need to respectfully mention this. It seems to be uniquely American, as a uniquely American problem, to chuck the S's instead of the Z's. Not sure why, but hoping we can turn this dingo around. <laughs> Please keep doing what you're doing. It's so important to continue growing this misinformation correction path we've unfortunately found ourselves on. I don't know what the ultimate aim of all these right-wing cretins actually is, but it just seems insane. Perhaps they really just want to watch the world burn, and that's not going to happen on my watch. So glad you're keeping up the fight. Uh, apples for the long essay. I'm 
Oh, appalls, as in apologies. I I get it. That's adorbs. Uh, Appalls for the long essay. We tend to to crap on a lot down here. (laughs) Okay, we tend to crap on. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to use that one. For pod pet tax, I enclose our two aging criminals, Diesel, the ever-hungry Staffy, and Millie, the doe-eyed sidekick, both pictured here, looking guilty as fuck. Enjoy. (laughs) I love this submission. Oh, my God. Now, I will say I had an Australian Shepherd and uh, named Robot. And they do call them Aussies here. Many Aussies and Aussies. That's that's uh, I've never heard an Australian Shepherd referred to as an Aussie. Uh, So I, you know, I'll I'll let you know that that's how it is. Now, if that's wrong, I'm going to start calling them Aussies just uh, because that's the correct way to do it. Um, That's what I'm going to do. Well, I think, yeah, I'm I'm going to do that. When you said that, I was like, oh, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, if it was an American sheepdog, we could call it a Nazi, but it's an Australian sheepdog. So I'm going to call it a Nazi. <laughs> All right. This next one is just from her. That's it. No name. Nothing else. Just her. I'm such a fan of you ladies and the entire pod crew. I listen to them all. You gals and guys bring me joy in such a tumultuous time. I've sent a picture of my fur babies. I've got two feline queens and two doggy adorables. I've got a pity and I don't have a clue doggy. (laughs) I'm surely going to do a DNA test on Miss Paris Rose. I believe she's a German shepherd and something else. Maybe a beagle or even weird wolf. Uh, Got any guesses for a grateful beans girl? Oh, look at the black, the void chunk. Hello, Kitty. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> Definitely pity and mastiff, maybe? Yeah, that's a beefy puppy. That is a beautiful dog. Oh, yeah, that's a pity. I just don't know how big she is when she stands. Because mastiff would probably make her a lot l- well, larger. The pity apparently isn't a mix. It's the next oh, picture. The next one. Thank you. A definitely German Shepherd. Keep scrolling, Dana. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm like, it's a bit mastiff. And you're like, are you sure it's a mastiff? Um, I like that. But you said maybe. And then you're looking at this dog. There's no way there's mastiff in this dog. Okay. I would say maybe even Collie. I had a dog that was half wolf and half Collie. So and cute. She's got though. a little butt. Maybe there's some Collie in there. Yeah. And she's got the curly furs on the booty. Yeah. Adorable. Whatever yeah. she is. Indeed. When you All find right. out, let us know. Because I want to know. Please. Aww. And the look on the face. What Like, what did she just do? Yep. All right. Next up from always in memory of Trisket pronouns she and her. I have enough good news right now to fill an entire show, but I want to focus on the fact that at 34, I finally finished college again. I graduated in 2010 with a psych BA, failed to do anything with it and decided to go back in 2014 for mechanical engineering. Awesome. Wow. Working full time and going as hard as I can, including every summer class I could take. It still took seven long years, but it's finally over. I wanted to share because I really want to recognize all the non-traditional students out there who know what it's like to struggle through a college system that isn't not designed for them, who know the agony of watching their social lives wither away, or the frustration of putting their plans of starting a family at the mercy of an institution that really couldn't care less about them, who have never quite felt like adults because they're still being treated like kids by professors barely older than them, to those people in it right now, feeling like they're missing out on life as the goalposts keep moving because, quote, those credits don't count anymore, unquote. As alone as they may feel, I just want to tell them they are not alone. Keep going. And don't forget, you started this because you believed in yourself. And the world will be here when you're done. And it will also finally be yours. Well put. Nice. For tax, please enjoy another picture of Trisket, my inspiration. She never gave up, even after missing out on the first 12 years of life stuck in shelters with a BB oh. lodged in her face. <gasps> I know. 
We only had her for a little over a year before losing her battle with cancer, but she was so inexplicably happy and content. She made us feel like the best humans in the world for every second she had with us. She also ate a lot of grass. (laughs) Ellie is the upside down one. She likes to roll in horse shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, I have a visceral anger in my chest for people who hurt animals okay we're not going to focus on that part of the story i know i know oh, thank you so much for the submission congratulations on graduating yet again mm-hmm. so much joy so much joy all right this next one's from anonymous pronounce he him and this is a misheard lyric back in the summer of 87 my young brain didn't know that brian adams was reminiscing about back in the summer of 69 i heard him begging for sex tonight <laughs> Begging for sex tonight. (laughs) I didn't know what sex was, but I knew there was a word called sex and people did it. I definitely didn't understand why he would be begging for it if he just bought his first real sex string. Hilarious. (laughs) Thanks for all the news and swears. But my first real sex sex string. string. (laughs) Bought it at the five and dime. I keep begging for sex tonight. Oh my god, that's great. I don't know what sex is, but there's a word word called sex. And people are people are doing it. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's good. All right, next up from Roy the Snake. Pronouns he and him. Hey ladies, got a Mondegreen for you starring the great Dolly Parton. Her song Why'd You Come In Here came out when I was a teen, and the video featured Billy Ray Cyrus. I was confused that he wasn't wearing a pair of Daisy Dukes in the video, because I always hear Why'd you come in here looking like that in your high heel boots and your panty long jeans? <laughs> Why you come in here looking like that in your high heel boots and your panty long jeans? In your jeans. panty long jeans. <laughs> I don't recall how I learned Dolly was referring to butt hugging painted on jeans, but that's probably repressed for my own benefit. <laughs> Sorry, no new pet taxes. I've already paid previously. Oh, Roy, you think you only got to pay once, huh? Quite all right. Mm. Oh, man, I got the city one. Okay, this one's from Anna, pronouns she and her. would like to share some swears and some town twisters. How do you say Colderport? No, Coderport? C-O-U-D-E-R-S-P-O-R-T. I don't believe the S is important. Coderport. I'm going to say Cudport. (laughs) Oh, Cudport might actually be it. All right. Uh, We've got... Or Cudsport. Staunton? Staunton. S-T. I'm going to go with Stanton. S-T-A-U-N-T-O-N, Virginia. Yeah, I'm going to go with Stanton, too. And we've got... I think it's Bourne, Texas, but... That seems too easy. That seems too easy. It's spelled like Jason Bourne. B-O-U-R-N-E. Yeah. It's probably Borny. All right. It's probably Borny, Texas. All right. Let's see. Okay. We got we got Cowdersport. Okay. All for right. The first one. So, yeah, I guess that the S was important. Stanton. Stanton. Did, is, oh, that's, I got Stanton. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Ber- Bernie for what I thought was Bourne. <laughs> Bernie. Okay. Borny, I thought, but it's Bernie. Okay. Nah. Yeah. All right. Now for the swears. My eight years ago. Oh, no, maybe eight years ago. (laughs) My fake sorority, Alpha Sigma Sigma, from college went to visit one of my girl's parents in Vermont, and her father confessed that for his 50th birthday, he was committed to more and better swears. That's what he was committed to. So we made a swearing club in his honor at our first meeting while we were visiting his house. He pulled out a fax. Yes, you read that correctly. About all the different ways you can use fuck. (laughs) He read it to us by headlamp. 
around a fire. (laughs) It was amazing in every way. Also, my mother, who is a retired pastor, rarely swears. But when she gets upset, she just strings something together every word like shit, damn, piss, fuck, hell. And it makes me (laughs) laugh every time, mostly because she gets annoyed that she can't think of more and she is awkward doing it. Plus, it makes absolutely no sense. Pet tax. Attached, you will find my 12-year-old rescue basset hound, Mulligan. Oh, and his brother, we just got him two months ago, Gunnison, who was a street dog and is clearly a German shepherd mix. But we call him a ginger shepherd because I once tried to tell my boyfriend that a German shepherd in our neighborhood was a ginger shepherd. And I didn't even realize the mistake. It's a ginger (laughs) shepherd. Oh, look. Oh, look at the basset hound. Look at that basset hound. Oh, my goodness. How adorable. Every basset hound in my head is named Roscoe Pico Tree. Yeah. Yeah. Roscoe. Cute, cute, cute. Uh, What was his? Flash was his dog's name. Flash. Come on, Flash. And then I think in Smokey and the Bandit, uh, the trucker guy had one, too. Yeah. Oh. oh, good times. That was some good laughs today. Thank you for getting me on track. I, I didn't, I was in a very good mood before we started recording and, and you know, just laughter it really is the best medicine. Ah, I love it. It is. It is. I agree. And uh, I know you, I hope you have a great weekend. I know Amy's going to be here tomorrow. You'll be off, but you'll be back on Sunday. Do you have anything you want to, any words you would like to impart upon listeners before you take off for the weekend? I have another live show Ooh. that I just, it's yeah, in this one sooner. It's its in July. July 8th, it'll be in Palm Springs. So if I have any of my Palm Springs people out there, Allison's head perked up, it's going to be myself, Brad Lokley, Ian Harvey. And the lineup is just dumb good. I, I don't even know if they've announced the show, but I'm announcing it. It's going to be at Hunter's and uh, we'll get tickets as soon as I know when the tickets and where you can get them. We'll let you know. But that's July 8th. Well, now I have to go. You got to go. go. You and Ian Harvey on the same show. Right. Come on. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. We'll be there every night. Come hang out. July so yeah, if you're in Palm Springs, just know I'll be there uh, live July 8th. And let's see here. July 8th is a Thursday. Thursday. Cool. So I need to get a find a hotel in Palm Springs. On the 8th, I'm writing all this down. Perfect. Something with a pool because it'll be 9 million to 100 degrees outside. A billion degrees. Yep. And, uh, oh, that'll be so great. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. I'm excited now. Woohoo! This yeah. will be my first live comedy show that I've seen. Yeah, it'll be my first one that I've seen and performed at. So it's going to be rad. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much. And uh, Dana, we'll see you Sunday. Until then, well, Monday. You know. You know. The thing. It's why I'm crazy, people. This is why I'm crazy. (laughs) Everybody, until then, uh, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. And Louis Gohmert is dumb. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.